Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, we looked at last time about contentment. And the word content <clears throat> means something contained. And that's why it's also pronounced content. Something inside, something contained. And that contentment, as you look at those verses, it, it really is very clear that the contentment that we get is because of Christ. It's got to be that. Our contentment can't come from other places. True contentment always comes through Christ. Look at verse 10. Uh, in, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, the mystery of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And this is the answer here. I can do everything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul learned, he said, to be content. He says it twice. I learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, whether you have a lot or a little, and we in this country, we have an awful lot, and yet we're still walking around so discontented. But we learn by experience that Jesus is enough. We have to learn that by experience. When we think the stuff is enough, Jesus is enough in any and every situation. We looked at... Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, on Wednesday night, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing he's blessed us with. So is that not enough? Did he forget something so that we would not be content? He left out something? No, it says every spiritual blessing in Christ. We can be content, and, and it's a, I think it's a daily battle, really, too, to, to, to really put our eyes and our focus in the right place, that it's Christ who gives us the strength. It, it's not our strength. We can't do it. He will never leave us or forsake us. So to be content through the content of Christ in us. Today, uh, the subject changes a little bit, although he kind of refers to it a little bit in verse 10, how they were able to uh, help Paul, and it's really about giving and about God's provision and those two things, about giving and God's provision. Now, you know how much I love to talk about money. It seems like some people like to talk about money every week. That's what they tell you. Know, that's like the number one subject. And what this, Well, I, I just don't even like to talk about money. I don't like to talk about giving, but you know what? If it's there, it's there, and we don't just skip over passages because we don't like them, right? Because we don't want to discuss that issue, and, and uh, trust me, um, I'm not going to hammer you. I don't believe in that. I won't uh, take a special offering today. We don't even take offerings, so don't, you're not going to feel the pressure. I'm going to preach to you about giving and then pass the basket because we don't even pass the basket, and that's not a matter of pride. That's just the way that God's led us to do it here. Some places are all, every place is different. So you're not going to feel that pressure. Although do we, we do have a camera set up in the back, right by the box. And uh, we review that afterwards. 
but it still may be challenging in some ways. But really, what I, what I see in this passage, and I think what's very, very clear, is that giving is about us giving to God, and God gives to us. Look at verse 14. Yet it was good of you, Paul says, to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. He has a little amen there. This church, the, the church of Philippi, they had helped Paul. They had helped to support him. And again, we talked about it last time, too, that Paul wasn't even asking for help. He certainly wasn't begging for help. But here he's acknowledging it was good. Thank you, in other words, he's saying. When somebody, you know, gives something, we have to, we have to learn to just say thank you, right? And Paul was saying thank you, but it wasn't like he was saying, I, you know, you need to give more and you haven't done enough and you need to increase and all these things. He's saying no. He was appreciative, but he wanted them to know that their gifts were gifts to God, but yet they were also helping him. You say, well, if I give to God, why, why is it going to go help Paul? Or if I'm giving to Paul, how is it going to God? You see what I'm saying? But, but our giving is first and foremost, it's to God, and, and, and we just give back to him a portion, really, of what he has already given to us. He blessed us. We got nothing. We had nothing until he pours out into our lives. But the first thing I see about giving here is that, is that we can help other people. And Paul was helped by this Philippian church. They were channels, in other words, to help Paul in his, he says troubles here, but you know that includes a lot of different things. It doesn't mean just that he didn't have enough resources, but just the struggles and trials, and he was in, you know, locked up in jail, and, and uh, you know, they were helping him to have enough food just to survive. But you and I, we can be channels to help other people in their serving, in their, in their ministries, in their troubles, that, so that so that, you know, they don't have to worry, and Paul didn't have to worry. And, and there's something about just helping others. See, the picture I have in my mind is we can be either like this, with, with our stuff, with our, our fists tight around it, or we can have our, our fists open, our hands open. There's a passage that talks about us having our, our hands open like this and, and being channels to help other people. So we give to God, and through us, God gives to people, and, and it really is true that God uses people. We, Jesus talked about it, I believe, um, in the gospel. Uh, you know, uh, is it Jesus? You'll have to help me out where he says, you know, um, you know someone has a need. Actually, I think it's James, isn't it? You know someone has a need, and you say, be warm and be filled, and you don't do anything about it. 
when you, you and I could be a channel to help somebody. And we know that God is going to take care of them, but God just may be calling you and I to be that channel that he's going to help them with or through. There's something about giving. There's something about giving to other people. There's something about helping that we see in this passage here that Philippian, that Paul is trying to encourage the Philippians and, and saying, listen, it's good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to give. It's not, it's not we're, doing, we're not doing it under any bondage, under any, you know, uh, legalistic kind of uh, thing at all. It's just a good thing, he's saying. In verse 15, he said, you, you Philippians know in the, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. He said, you were just young in the faith. And even as a young church with young believers in it, they had learned to give. I have, to, I have to say that for me, because I don't like to talk about money, uh, sometimes it's, it's actually a danger, it's actually a fault. Because then, where are you going to learn about how to give if your pastor doesn't teach you about it? Because I, I don't want to do it because there's been so much abuse in the world and in the church. People hammering other people, so I, I shy away from it. But the truth is, how are we going to learn as we're young believers? We need to learn when we're brand new believers that part of the Christian's life, part of the Christian's worship is to give, to be, be a person who gives, not just takes, not just holds on to. So we learn that, that we become like channels where we can give and we, we freely, freely you have received, freely give, right? So forgive me if I have been to the far other extreme. As a young church and as young believers, they learned. I don't know how they learned. Did Paul teach them? Paul wasn't a guy to go around begging for money. So how did they learn? They, were, they learned through God's Spirit. They learned through God's Word in other places where we learn to just give and, and, and uh, help. But I know as, as a young believer as well, I was, I was taught that, you know, uh, uh, to give. That the church doesn't support itself. The, the people in the church help to support the church. The people help support the ministries and the, the missionaries and, and the, the other things that need to, you know, have resources. Notice there he said that, that um, when, he, when he left, he set out for Macedonia. When he left to go there, there weren't any other churches that were helping to... to uh, to take care of his needs. And Paul wanted just to go out and serve the Lord. He just wanted to go out and serve the Lord. And I think when, you know, when people just want to go out and serve the Lord, we need to get behind them and, and, and help them in some way if we can, if we're able to. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have to go out and work. You know, when, when Paul would, would, he says, you know, he, would, he, he had a tent-making job. He made tents. And that was kind of intense. Just seeing if you're listening, that's all. But he wasn't afraid to work. When we moved here from California, I wasn't afraid to work. I worked many years doing whatever I needed to do. I sold furniture. Believe it or not, I worked in a factory. Um, what else did I do? 
I, I actually worked picking up trash. That lasted like a day. And I said, what am I doing here? I was in the wrong place. It was like the prodigal son, you know, wanting to eat the trash. I did whatever I needed to do, and I'm, I'm prepared today to do whatever I need to do. If that's what God wants me to do, I'll go do it. So it's not about, you know, that, you know, somebody deserves anything, but if somebody really wants to serve God, I think we need to get behind them. We had John Beers here a few weeks back, and, and, and man, I am blessed. I don't think we give him enough to help support him and his family with what they do. They raise their own support. They're not getting any money from the ministry. They raise their own support so that, that the people of Asia might hear the word of God. But he said, Paul said to them, you, you only, except you only, no one else. They were the only ones. And I think we have to, <clears throat> to think about this, that, that they didn't care. It didn't matter to them what other people were doing. They did what they were supposed to do. Sometimes we look around, well, you know, so-and-so isn't doing this, and so-and-so in that church, and this church. Who cares what everybody or anybody else is doing? What has God called you and I to do personally? What kind of resources is He, you know, flowing through our lives that, that, that we can be used? You know, we may be the only one who knows about a particular need. We may be the only one who knows. But we may be that channel that God wants to use for that particular situation he says in verse 16, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. You sent me aid again and again for us to send out aid. That church, they were sending out aid. We, we sent out as much as we possibly can and, we, and, and we're, we're available to, to kind of use what God's given us to send out we don't just keep it all here. We try to, uh, I don't even know, it's at least 10% to somewhere in between 10 or 15% of whatever we receive. We give out to, to go out because we believe we need to be helping others. They said, he said there, they did it again and again. And uh, the NIV study Bible says it was a long and consistent pattern of generosity. Let me say that again. A long and consistent pattern of generosity. I think that, that this is something we should learn as young believers. To be consistent. To build a pattern into our lives. Not just, oh, I'm going to put out, pull out a dollar and give it to over here. Or give it over there. I, I got an extra dollar I'm going to throw in there. No, what, what does God want us to do? And they learned this. They learned this consistency in their lives. That, that God is going to take care of them. This kind of planned and committed giving. And, and again, forgive me for even talking about this. I feel, I feel bad. I shouldn't feel bad, though, because this is God's word, right? But, but this is what I was taught, that I needed just to be faithful and con committed and, and uh, consistent. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, he said, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. So it's something that he says that, that we, we decide, we, we think about. And then once we've decided, just be faithful to that and be cheerful about it. A cheerful giver, not reluctantly, oh, I can't give this, or not other compulsion, I have to give this. If that's the case, you know, just keep it. I think God says, you know what, just keep it. If, if, you, if you can't just freely 
let it go, keep it. Don't need it. But I think for us to be cheerful givers, and then we, we see what we're going to see at the end of this passage where God just gives back to us like incredible ways, and he, he takes care of us in incredible ways. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it says, On the first day of the week, he said, Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So there's, again, this idea of planning ahead, where you, you have a commitment and you, you, uh, you set it aside in keeping with his income, save it up, so that we don't have to have all these collections. We don't have to have all these you know, offerings. Because he, he says they would make this decision in their mind, they would prepare, they would give it, and, and it's all done. Freedom in that, I think. He says in verse 17, not that I am looking for a gift. Paul wasn't begging. I, I don't know that he liked to talk about money either. I mean, you know, he, he, he didn't like to bring it up the subject, and he wanted to actually go in places. He, he, he was happy if he could go there and not take anything from them, if he could just preach the gospel without charge, free, and he was like, that was the blessing that I would receive, that I would go there and preach the gospel, not take any kind of offering or anything like that. He says, I'm not looking for a gift. I like what this uh, one commentator said. He said, the unrestrained begging campaigns of the present day are an abomination in the sight of God and a reproach to the name of Christ. Amen to that. That's the, like the extreme, the unrestrained begging campaigns. But look what Paul says in the second half of that. <clears throat> he says, but, he says, I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. He says, not, it's not what I need. It's not about me. It's about you. It's just how, how what, what you give actually helps you and what's credited to your account. That doesn't mean necessarily that God's up in heaven. You know, he's got this little account book and he's just like, okay, I saw it. Yep, okay. Yep. Oh, wait a minute. That guy hasn't given for like two weeks. His account's running a little low there. You know, God's not up there like legalistically taking all these notes and stuff, but, but the truth is, as, as we give, it, 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 that's where it goes. It goes into, you know, uh, eternal, invest, eternal investment accounts, if you will. David Guzik said, Godly giving actually does more good for the giver than for the one that receives. And I like that saying that says you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. So you're here now and you're able to give, you're able to help, and, and uh, it's, it's going into your account up there. You can't, when we die, we can't, we're not going to haul it behind us in the U-Haul or whatever, the, you know, the CDs or the whatever. But the account can already be there because we are free here. We're free here. Someone else said these words, a sound business investment in eternal values where dividends accrue to them at compound interest through all time to come. 
Man, I like that. I like that. We're not, we're not going to be able to give once we get up there. It's already it's all done. So what, what kind of opportunities do we have here now? And as I mentioned earlier, that, that verse that Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. He says, I am looking for what may be credited to your account. Verse 18, he says, I have received full payment. And even more, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. He says, I have everything I could ever need and even more. He says, thank you. He's appreciative as he was in the, in the first verse we looked at. He says, But he finishes this, this thought up. He says, you know, I've got everything I need, but he says the gifts you sent, he said, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. That kind of puts your giving in a different light, doesn't it? Kind of puts what we give in a different light. If this is, if this is like uh, us giving to help others to support the church, to support missionaries and missions, help those in need. He says it's a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. When you look at it in, in those terms, it's very different, isn't it? From, you know, i got to give my money. i got to give my check. i got to pay my tithe. i gotta, I got to do this. No, no, no. A fragrant offering. Sweet-smelling gift. Made me think about, um, there's actually two different um, occasions in the, in the Gospels of, um, of this kind of thing happening. But in, in John chapter 12, Mary, um, the, bro, uh, the sister of Lazarus, it says she took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet. And she wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. You know, in the other situations, you, 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 I mean, G Judas comes along and says, you know, we, we should have we spent that and got the money. And, and you know, he, he says she poured it on Jesus' feet. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I think, I think for, for us to be people who give, it's like there's a fragrance that comes out of our lives, just a, a sweet-smelling fragrance. But when, when we're not, when we're just like selfish and holding on, it's like it doesn't smell so good, I think. Fragrant offering. The words, actually the same word that's used here is used also in... Ephesians chapter 5, speaking about Jesus. And let me read to you what it says. It says, Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's our example. Jesus, he, he, like he gave it all. He just, you know, he, it was love to him. It was a, a life of love and he gave himself up and it was like a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Man. 
He says it's an acceptable sacrifice. It's acceptable. It's, it's received by God. And, and, but notice there is that word sacrifice in there, and may, it may include some sacrifice in certain situations. Warren Wearsby said Paul looked on their gift as a spiritual sacrifice laid on the altar to God. Though it was money, though it was physical resources, there's something spiritual about it. There's something spiritual really gets down to the to the really the core of who we are. But I like what he says there. He says it's pleasing to God. It's pleasing to God. I don't know about you, but I want to please God. And this the word of God is saying in black and white here that one of the ways we please him is we just we're free with what he's given to us. We're not holding on to stuff selfishly. And as we give, we're giving to Him, and it's pleasing to Him. But it doesn't stop there, does it? In verse 19 it says, And they gave, their, the gifts they gave were a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. My God and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That, that is kind of the problem, isn't it? We say, well, I can't give. I, I, I got too many needs of my own. But he's saying, he's saying here they were giving and it was beautiful. It was fragrant, acceptable. It was pleasing. And God just blessed them back for what they were doing. William MacDonald, the commentator, says, we should notice that this promise follows the description of their faithful stewardship. In other words, because they had given of their material resources to God, God would supply their every need. You see that? You see the context? We talked a little bit about that last week. Context is very important, and the context here is that they were freely giving, and God would freely provide every one of their needs. I've talked to people, you know, and they say, well, I can't give because I have too many needs. And I said, well, you need to just give and, and, and watch God provide for you. You need to make a commitment to just be that, that channel that God's going to use. It doesn't matter whether you get a lot or whether you, or you have a little. And watch God meet your needs. God will take care of us. He'll meet every one of our needs, all of our needs. Now that doesn't necessarily mean our wants, right? God will meet all your wants. No, not necessarily. But sometimes he does. But he is faithful. He is so faithful. He will take care of us as we give, as we give to him. He gives to us. He provides for us. And I have seen that personally true for 35 years. 35 years that God has never let us be without. We've had some tough times. We've had to go to the, you know, to the food uh, bank at the church. We've had some rough times, but you know what? We, we, we know, and I see it now, and, and I have to remind myself of this um, 
from time to time that God takes care of my needs. God's going to provide. When I start to worry that i got this bill coming up or, or maybe something broke or something that needs some attention and, and I start to worry, and, you know, God is the one who's going to take care of my needs. God's going to supply. God's going to meet every need that I have. I belong to Him. And notice this, He has, he has glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, I have to say that we don't give just so that we can get, but there is some kind of connection. We'll read that in a second. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. In verse 20, he says, we'll finish with this verse. He says, to our God and Father be glory. Forever and ever. This is doxology, uh, really, uh, which is defined as an expression of praise to God. And really, what, why he's talking about it here is because all of a sudden he, he's, he's just full of praise. And Paul's kind of like this. He can't control himself. All of a sudden, he'll just you know, break out because of what he just said, that God's going to meet all your needs. And then he says, glory to God. Because of how faithful He is, for how He provides, how He takes care of us. I hesitate to quote this verse, but you know what? I, I, I really need to because it's a promise of God. Malachi, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this, prove me. In this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. See, check it out, God says. And I know, again, the people that, you know, they're on these, uh, you know, money things and they'll take a verse like that and they'll hammer people with it, but it's still God's word. Just because somebody misuses a verse, we can't, we can't just get rid of it, Right? But God says, you know what? Test me. Prove me. I'm going to take care of you. You do your part. I'll do my part. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll close with those verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and then we'll take three offerings. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, 6 through 8. The same principle is here. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Here's the verse I quoted earlier. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's pleased. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Hear that word all over and over again? God is able to, to bless you back like what he was saying there in Philippians. He will supply, he will 
take care of all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? Say, well, why do you say all that? Because the, is the church like, are we in some kind of financial problem? Are we in trouble? No, actually, we're not. But that's what God's Word teaches. We need to be taught what God's Word says, you see. Not because I'm here to say you need to do more, because God is providing. God is blessing us, and God is providing for every one of our needs. And, and I, I, I just get blown away by it all the time. I just say, wow, that's, wow, that's, that's incredible. That's exciting. God provides. He's, he's taking care of us as a fellowship. We're not, you know, we don't have a bunch of millionaires in here, as I've said, and unless maybe some of you are secret millionaires. But he's providing for our needs, and, and we pay the rent, uh, the mortgage, and we pay for the electricity and, and whatever, you know, is going on. He provides. We pray, and he provides. We've been praying for the air conditioning to be installed, and, and, and we're, we're so close now to having that. Uh, we have to start scheduling the workers now to come and install that air conditioning because we're, we're, we're almost there because we prayed. I'm not here to, to, to beg for stuff. I don't need to because, because God is already blessing this church. And I think there is that, that fragrance here that, that you people just, you know, you just know what it's like and you just want to be a part of it. So we could have skipped over all these passages, but... You know, maybe, maybe, you know, you're new. Maybe you're a young believer. Maybe you have never been taught this and, and no one ever said these words to you. And you need to make giving just a, 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 a consistent part of, of your life and, and the income God gives you. I've been, I've been giving uh, from our income uh, from, from day one and God has never, ever let us go without. Ever, ever, ever. It's incredible. God is so good. He's able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I like that phrase, though, being a cheerful giver. Because it's not always easy, is it? We're not smiling as we're writing out that check, you know, just... But, but there's something in it, and there's a freedom that God wants to put in our lives. I think it's connected to the last passage about contentment, you know, that our contentment isn't holding on to stuff. Our contentment is Jesus in us and, and being a channel. I think as we give, and, and, and you know what it's like if you've given someone something, it makes you feel really good. If you've held on to it, I'm thinking of a situation the other day where I, I had something I could have given to someone, and I, and I struggled with it. I ended up keeping it. It was just a sandwich, but I ended up keeping it, and I thought, I should have given that. It was so dumb. I would have felt good. Now, I did eat it the next day, and it did taste pretty good the second day, too, but I missed. I missed that little blessing. It could have been a little more of a blessing. You know what I'm saying? Little simple things. So... How do we finish this message? If we're not going to take an offering, what are we going to do? How do we finish this, this thing? Okay, we just take our Bibles and go like this. That's good. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious God, you are so good to us. Your grace that you give to us.
what grace is, uh, unmerited favor that you give to us, not based on our, on our works, on our achievements, on, not on our giving, that's for sure, but, but you do want us to be people that are just channels, free channels, and, and you bless us and we bless others. Help us to, uh, to, to let go and, and to uh, let you be what you want us to be and that we, that we get to be blessed by helping others, by supporting, by doing the, doing the right thing, the good thing, and that it is a fragrance that is just incredible. No cheap perfume, but a very expensive, like the nard that Mary broke open and poured on Jesus' feet. Father, I want to pray this morning as well that you would teach us to as, as believers, how to live for you, how to give our lives to you like Jesus, you gave your life, fragrant offering. That we might live that life of love that Jesus, that you did.